I was curious this week to see who was going to sit on this side and who was going to sit on this side uh, of the uh, auditorium because of the nature of uh, really working over you guys very strongly last week. It was just in a simple concept that I think uh, um, it's easily understood when we talk about those who know Christ and we talk about those who don't know Christ. We walk through a passage like Romans chapter 8, and this is written to believers about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's easy for me in preaching through this passage to give so much emphasis on this is what we have, this is what we are, this is what we should be, on and on and on, when this whole section we're in uh, showed us very clearly what we used to be. And as a pastor, my great concern was that some of you might still be there, and you don't really know the Lord. And the whole point of, of preaching from one side of the pulpit, uh, so to speak, was so that we can realize this is what we do lack if we do not know the Lord. And I, I trust that struck the heart. It certainly is something that we have to be mindful of. In this passage of Romans chapter number 8, today I hope to preach on the other side of the pulpit. All right? I want to talk to you, believer, about what you have in Jesus Christ. The, the t- context is the security of the believer. And these are things you can rejoice in. But you must know what they are. And you must know where they're from and, and how they differ from what we used to be. And in that, I, I hope that what we do today is more than just educational. I hope it's inspirational. And it challenges us, not just in what we are in Christ, but to rejoice in it, to live in it. Not just hear the words, but be doers of the word, right? So here, in Romans 8, verse 5, uh, through verse number 9, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. O Heavenly Father, we have your word right in front of us here. Wonderful, incredible words that speak to us about our place with you, what you have done for us what you're doing right now in us. We thank you for this passage. May we be attentive to it today. May we listen carefully to your Spirit as he teaches us this passage. May it make its its change in us. May it hit the mark. May it change us for eternity, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I titled this little section 5 through 9, that which uh, makes us secure in the mind, 
we are secured from our past. We're also secured in the mind. The Lord didn't just leave the mind to do its own thing. Uh, matter of fact, he even tells us, by the time we get to chapter 12, if we ever get through chapter 8, but chapter 12 talks about having the mind renewed, right? We're to have our mind renewed. And so the Lord is very much interested in your mind. He created it, and he wants it set on things above. And so, many times, as you can see in verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, talks about the mind. The mind, the mind. And that's a battlefield for most of us. So, it's a good place to know what he has said here. So, as we start looking at this passage again, last week I preached on this side of the pulpit representing those who do not know the Lord. And all the things that they don't have because they don't know the Lord. If I moved to this side, I'd talk about those who do know the Lord. And what we do have because we know the Lord. Those are total contrasts. Right? Total contrasts. The difference between being a prisoner and being free. The difference between being blind and having sight. The difference between being lost and what? Being found. Dark, light. Here's the easiest one. Death. Life. You can't be both. Maybe you feel like that sometimes at the end of a day. I've got a touch of uh, uh, rigor mortis. Nah. You can't be both. You can't be both physically. You can't be both spiritually. There's no middle ground here to say, I'm I'm sort of alive and I'm I'm sort of dead. Spiritually, you're dead or you're alive. And that's the contrast we're setting before you today. It's impossible to be both. Now, what I like when I think of contrast, uh, for those of you who are musically minded, you've been perhaps through lessons or or such. You know, on that page where all those little dots and lines are and all these, you know, things that some people, that's just a foreign language like Greek or something, but they they look at all that and they say, what's all that? You notice that little dots go up and little dots go down and sometimes you sing higher up and lower and such like that. But there's also marks on there to tell you how loud or how softly to make the music. That's what makes it beautiful, really. It's a contrast, not just of notes, but also in the dynamics of it. You watch Steve as he directs the choir. He's helping with dynamics many times. This means, cool it! You see that once in a while. He's just like, you know, we're too, he go, shh, you know, like that. He means, we're just too excitable. And we've got such, we just want to blast it out. And he doesn't want that. He's trying to calm us down. Or sometimes he's like this, which means we're not giving him enough. We've moved up to a higher dynamic. Or or sometimes he does this. And that means, smile, you look like you're dying out there. So he's pushing us up. These are little things to, to give contrast to the music. Make it beautiful. We like that, really. We feel at certain times in songs... You've got to turn up the volume a little bit. 
especially on a chorus of a great old hymn. You reach that place and you say, boy, this is time for a good contrast. This is time for a good crescendo in the passage. When I look at chapter 5, or 8, here, verse 5 through 9, if I looked at it in a musical way, this is what I would see. In verse number 5, there's a very soft contrast in the verse. The Greek word is day. D-E is the way we'd spell it in the English. And it's just a very soft contrast. It's a contrast, but it's just a soft one. And what he says here, but those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit set their things according to, or their minds, really, the things of the Spirit. Meant to be a soft contrast, but a contrast. And then he does it again in verse number 6. He sets that same little day word in there in the middle. He says, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And he's showing just a simple contrast. You would sing it in a normal voice. And then he goes into verse 7 and 8, and the intensity starts to build. Because he starts to describe some very incredible things. Like this mind he's talking about, set on the flesh, this mind that's, that's set on death, is also set in hostility toward God, and you can feel it. There's something growing here, this hostility toward God. It doesn't subject itself to the law of God. It's not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. He couldn't stop with one phrase. It just all started to spill out there as he's building his statement for us. And then suddenly he gets to verse 9, and here comes the big word. He says, however, you are not in the flesh, but, that little word is about the strongest way you could say it in the Greek language. He's not using small little day anymore. It's Allah is the Greek word here, and he really means it. If you want the biggest contrast you can set, it's right there. This is the chorus. This is what he's been leading to. This is the main point. And what is it? You are not in the flesh. Hear it? You are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. Total contrast. It's powerful. It is a powerful, powerful phrase. Matter of fact, in verse 9 he says two significant things. Listen carefully to what they are. He says, um, in verse 9, The Spirit of Christ, or Spirit of God dwells in you. Alright? First one, I just mentioned. Second one, I just read. First one, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Number one, you are in the Spirit. Second thing he says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You've got those two? You are in Him. He is in you. You are in Him. You are in the Spirit. He, the Spirit, is in you. I don't know what can make you any more secure than that. Just to know these things. Think of it this way. And, and really, if you can carry just that simple phrase, I am in the Spirit, the Spirit dwells in me. If you can carry that throughout a day, look at how it would change your day. You wake up, get out of bed in the morning. You are in Him. 
He is in you. You go and you get your breakfast and you dress for the day. You are in Him and He is in you. You head off for work or some of you, you head off to school. You are in Him and He is in you. Some of you drive your cars to where you're going. Some of you ride a bus. You are in Him and He is in you. You go and you do your job as you're, you're called to do, or maybe in the classroom you're working on your assignments as you ought to be doing. And you are in Him, and He is in you. And you stop for lunch, and maybe you sit with friends, and you are in Him, and He is in you. And you finish your work for the day, you participate in meetings, or maybe you play sports, and you are in Him, and He is in you. And you go home at the end of the day to your family, and you are in Him, and He is in you. And then you have your dinner, and guess what? You are in Him, and He is in you. And at the end of the day, you, you relax, you might do homework, you might do chores, you might watch TV, you might play a game. You finish the day and you prepare to go to sleep. You are in Him. And He is in you. Maybe you've spent the day in the doctor's office. Maybe you've been the doctor in the office all day. Maybe you spent your day at home. Maybe you homeschool the kids. You are in Him, and He is in you. Maybe you spent the whole day watching eight hours of Bonanza. You are in Him, and He is in you. A lot of things change throughout the day, but this fact does not change for the believer. Ever. Ever. He is in you. And you are in Him. How conscious are we of that in the course of a day? How often do we stop and think about this? Honestly, I think a, a statement like that can change the way we do it. From one end to the other. Wouldn't you agree? It would change if we're conscious of what the Lord has done. That we are in Him. And He is in us. When I spoke on this side of the pulpit last week, I spoke about those who that is not true concerning them. They are not in Him. He is not in them. When we talked about condemnation from chapter 8, 1 through 4, and the requirements of the law, and what the law could do, and what the law couldn't do, and whether or not you're set free from the law of sin and of death, for those who are on this side who do not know the Lord, they are still under condemnation. They are still under the wrath of God. But that's not true of you, believer, on this side. It says, you are now, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It says, you've been set free from the law of sin and death. It says that the requirement of the law has been fulfilled, and guess where? Look again, verse number 4, fulfilled in where? The requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. This is really awesome. 
I love on this side of the pulpit, don't you? Think of all these things. When we saw in verse number 5, that those who are according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's where they think. That, that's their viewpoint. That's their concern. That, that is their feelings. It's all according to the flesh. Their attitudes are according to the flesh. Their, their purpose, their intention. They live in harmony with the flesh. They think like the flesh. Verse 5 says, they observe the things of the flesh. The flesh reigns in them. The flesh curbs every thought, every sensibility, every feeling, every understanding. That flesh dominates on this side of the pulpit where they do not know the Lord. What does it say in verse number 5 But about you? You who know the Lord. Those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit. Now is the Spirit in you? And you in Him? Those according to the Spirit. Really, it says in the context, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay, I'm going to read something off and it's going to make you very uncomfortable. If that is the reality, then your viewpoint is according to the Spirit. Your concerns are according to the Spirit. Your feelings are according to the Spirit. Your attitude is according to the Spirit. Your intentions, your purpose, you live in harmony with the Spirit. You observe the things of the Spirit. You think like the Spirit. Now, how are we doing? Does it make you uncomfortable just to hear those words? I think it does. I think all of us feel like, well, I don't know if that's exactly the way you describe me. Are you in the Spirit? Is the Spirit in, in you? What is He making you to be? What is He making you to think? That's His work in us. And you say, but I don't measure up to what you just read, Pastor. I know that story. What's the difference? I haven't been submitting to him like it's supposed to be. Because it says that if I am following him as I should be, he reigns in me, and he curbs my sensitivities and my feelings and my emotions and my understanding. Literally, he dominates in me. We are told the Spirit is in us, but we're commanded to be filled with him. That's where we break down more times than not. We're not obeying the command. That means walk with him. Have you heard that sermon before? That was the story of Galatians 5, wasn't it? We ought to be better today than we were last year. We ought to be. A growing Christian should be. If you're really, really uncomfortable in this whole department, go back and ask, what have I been doing with my mind? Where has it been lately? Because it shouldn't be on this side of the pulpit, should it? It shouldn't be. Verse number 6 says, the mindset on the flesh is death. And that's a pretty strong phrase, because literally there's no recovery for it in any human way. No way. But there's a contrast. And that's the side I'm looking at today. 
They have the, the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit, and you're in the spirit, and the spirit's in you, is life and peace. Life and peace. That's one of the biggest contrasts before us today. Between death and life. Here's the reality of that little phrase. Apart from God, you have no life. Apart from God, you have no life. Your existence is dependent on Him. Here's a verse that you know very well. For by grace are you saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8 Literally in the Greek, this is great. I loved it. When I heard it for the first time, I researched it. It's absolutely right. This is what it says. For by grace you are, having been saved by faith. Starting with the first point, by grace you are. That's God's grace in your life. Your existence is because of His grace. This whole world is dependent on His grace. They don't appreciate it. They don't acknowledge Him. They don't love Him for it. They don't thank Him for it. But you know why you exist. It's by His grace. That's why we're called the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so. But this is the reality here. The reality is apart from God, there is no life. There's certainly no spiritual life apart from God. God made man a living soul, didn't he? Yes, that is true. Jesus is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're starting to see that a mindset on anybody else is death. Now, people have tried over the years, well, in various ways to... To, to give an alternative to this. They don't like the reality. They want something different. So they've been working on it. Life is one thing they've been working on for a while. Take God out of the picture and you've got a very bleak outlook. But outside of that, they've been seeking peace apart from Him too. A mindset on the Spirit is peace. You're not going to find peace in any other avenue. Oh, they try. Oh, all kinds of things. Well, what is it? Well, we could try just being very quiet. We could meditate very carefully. We could, we could go through mental gymnastics of one sort or another, practices here, all kinds of alternatives. Try this religion. Try that religion. Everything, you know, put a candle out. Make sure it smells nice. Make it a cozy room. Play soft music. We seek all kinds of ways to, to say, this is going to relax me. This is going to give me peace. But Scripture says the mind set on the Spirit is peace. There's no other alternative, by the way, because God is the author of peace. And you can't have peace unless He makes it possible. Matter of fact, we know that Jesus has the title, the Prince of Peace. You can, you can manufacture peace all you want. Chemics, lemonade, Sunshine, sounds nice. You have to get out of the hammock sometime. That's not peace, that's manufactured quietness. We're talking about peace, where things are joined together the proper way. Greek word iro is the word to join, it's our word for peace. When things are joined together the right way, and when you are right with God, there is peace. That's Romans also. 
this is important for us to understand. When we're talking through this passage, and we're looking at a mind and where we set it, this is what Scripture says. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You're not going to find peace, and you're not going to find life in any other source, because they're the products of a mindset on the Holy Spirit. That's what they are. That's where you find peace. That's where you find life. Those on this side of the pulpit are seeking it, but they can't find it. They manufacture options. You on this side know the source. Because... He lives in you, and you live in Him. Fruit and spirits, love, joy, peace. So far, starting to see the contrast? Try this one in verse 7 and 8. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not subject itself to the law of God. It's not able to do so. There is hatred for God. There is hatred for His Word on this side of the pulpit. The ones who do not know the Lord... Do not subject themselves to the things of the Lord. They do not love Him. They do not desire Him. They're not even able to do so, it says. They have no power in this department. They can't change it, honestly, if they wanted to. Nothing they could do. And it goes on in verse 8 to say, In the flesh they cannot, 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 cannot please God. Never. Never are they agreeable to God. That's helpless. That's hopeless. That's terrible. That's in the flesh. You're not here, are you? You are in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in you. These things are not true about you. You don't have a hostility toward God. You love Him. Matter of fact, you couldn't love Him unless He first loved you. You have a love for His Word. You know that's your food. You know that's your life. That's where you spend your time, don't you? Are you starving to death right now? Have you had one meal in the last seven days? Quite a diet plan you're on. Spiritually, you're not supposed to be thin, by the way. There's one department you can really be fat. There you go. Treasure the feast of the Lord. It's in His Word. You have that because you're in Him and He's in you. Matter of fact, you can please God. You can please God because He is in you and you are in Him. Now I showed you these contrasts because verse number 9 is where I really want to anchor our thoughts as we come to this place. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You are in the Spirit. Believer, do you hear it? You are in the Spirit. There's no maybe in that phrase. A believer is in the Spirit. And then it says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. You are in Him. He is in you. That's the strongest contrast to the flesh strongest possible way of seeing it. And when you see that word if there, some of you know exactly what I'm about to say. It is not an English if necessary there. It is the word since. This 
is your reality, not a potential. It's the reality, since indeed the Spirit dwells in you. I want to give you that punch to that little part. I want you to hear it. I want you to, to read it as carefully as you can. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Do you know that? He dwells in you. He lives there. He dwells in you. He's made His home in you. He's not going to leave. He's not going to leave. Go back to John chapter 14. There are two verses in this chapter that are very good for you to see. Not just hear, but see. John 14, verse 16. Because there's a very important word in verse number 16 that you have to see. Here's Jesus talking to his disciples and he said, John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, comforter. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. That He, the Holy Spirit, may be with you. What word do you have there? What does that mean to you? Forever. Tell me when that stops. It doesn't stop. This is the way He designed it. The Lord says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And He's going to be with you. Forever. Mark those words. That's not based on how well you do today. Isn't that good news? He's not saying, hey, boy, you really muffed it last week. You know that thing you did? Forget it. I'm out of here. He, he won't do that. Why? Because this is the way the Lord designed it. He is with you forever. You are in Him and He is in you. That's never going to change. I don't know how you could say something more secure than that. But let me try one more. Look at verse 17. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him, doesn't know Him. But you know Him, because He abides with you, and will be in you. Jesus said those words. Do you believe Him? There it is. He is in you. He dwells in you. He abides in you. Now, if verse number 9 doesn't strike just right where we need it. You are not in the flesh. Hey, folks, if you've been living on this side lately and you're a believer in Christ, get out of here. This is not your home. This is not your playground. The flesh is not for you. You are in the Spirit. Right? And the Spirit is in you. That's not your comfort zone. That's not where you go. This is where you are. This is where you are. That's one thing I know when I see these words. Boy, you are not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. Since indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, verse, the rest of verse number 9, this isn't to you, is it? 
If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Do you have the Spirit of Christ in you? You belong to him. You belong to Christ. That is what I mean by secure. That is exactly what I mean by secure. This whole passage is speaking of that relationship. And thank the Lord, it's not based on me or you. It's on Him. He did it. He did it. So when I stand on this side, I'm not patting myself on the back, okay? I'm not saying, hey, here I am, spiritual guy. No. This is God's work. This is what you see of the Spirit at work in me. This is what you see of me in the Spirit. This is what you see. Give Him the glory, not me. Because He took somebody who was on this side of the pulpit and changed them forever. What a contrast. What a contrast. So I want to talk to you just as we're about to close up here to ask you again, on which side of the pulpit are you standing today? Now, if you were on this side last week, you're not on that side this week, okay? You didn't change positions. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you have never left this position. Maybe you have been in the flesh all along. You're good at deceiving? <laughs> we're all convinced that you're a spiritual person. Outward appearances might give us that clue. We see how you might, you know, sing songs with us. You dress up a little bit on Sundays to come to church. And, and you talk to us about spiritual things once in a while. You, 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 you put on a very good show. But do you know the Lord? Do you know Him? If you don't belong to Him, if the Spirit does not live in you, you are in the flesh. And you cannot please God. I don't want you there. That's why we preach as we preach. That's why we take you to Scripture and talk about how God loves you even while yet a sinner. He gave a son for you. And those who know that, who have received Christ as Savior, they're on this side now. That's God's work. He's changed you. You're no longer dead. You're alive. You're no longer in darkness. You're in light. You're no longer uh, a prisoner. You're now set. What a difference. Now, since this is true, the application so often in Scripture is, now live like it. Live like it. Those things I set before your heart because this is what chapter 8 is all about. You are secure because it's God's work in you. It's God's work in you. Check that mind again. Go ahead. Look at your mind. Which side of the pulpit has it been in lately? You know where it belongs. I know where it belongs. The mind set on the things of the Spirit. Is it? The mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Is it? You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Really? The Spirit dwells in you. Does He? 
If you've put an answer of yes to all of those things, then you know the application this morning, don't you? If the Spirit is in you and you are in the Spirit, live like it. Live like it. Let your mind think like it. I know. I know. I hear these words too. You know, I could preach the whole time as if there's a mirror in front of me. It makes me very uncomfortable. But I'm so thankful for our Lord. So thankful for what He has done. How He has changed us. Changed me. And the great work He's done. Here's my favorite passage out of Philippians. He who began the good work in you will complete it. Guaranteed. He will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's at work right now, isn't he? Feel like you need to talk to him? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, as we bring our thoughts to a place here before your throne, we hear your word, Lord. We see how you have designed it all. We've seen what you have done in us, how you have made such incredible change in all of us. And yet we still, we still look at our, our everyday life and see how far short we are of walking in a worthy manner by which we have been called. I want to thank you, first of all, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. I thank you for that. I thank you that sins have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that. I thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells within us as believers in Christ. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you're at work in us and you will not stop until we bear the image of Christ. And I thank you for that. We, as your children, need to be reminded of who we are and what you're doing in our lives. We need the reminder that the Spirit is in us and we are in Him. And that does not change throughout the day. It does not change by circumstances. It does not change by our behavior. It does not change the reality that you have saved us and you have sealed us in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for that. For that is our confidence when we come before you right now and say, Lord, thank you for what you've done and thank you for what you're doing. We can't wait to see the finished product. You are so faithful to us. And great is that faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for it. I thank you that you've been at work in this fellowship, this church, for over a hundred years. Lives have been changed here. Lives have grown in their understanding of the Word and in their understanding of you, Lord, and what you're doing in our lives. You have been very faithful over all these years to do that, and you're still doing it today. And we rejoice in that. Thank you, Lord, for it. Now, as we step from this room this morning, may we be different. May our minds be set where they need to be. May the actions follow. And all the day, may we be rejoicing that you are in us and we are in you. What a glorious truth that is. Set it deep in our hearts that we may not forget it. 
set it in our minds that we will remember this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.